What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Rewired Soul Podcast. It's your host, Chris, and today I am talking with a phenomenal woman, and her name is Kathy Padreas. All right, and I'm super excited for you all to hear this conversation because it's about a topic that I didn't think I would find interesting, but then her book absolutely sucked me in. All right, but before I introduce Kathy and all that kind of good stuff, uh, real quick, if you're new to the podcast, make sure you follow, make sure you subscribe. All right, I read hundreds of nonfiction books every year, and I love bringing authors on to have conversations about all the different topics, whether it's like psychology and philosophy or like social issues and politics, or just like interesting stuff like today's guest. All right. So make sure you're following the podcast and also make sure you are following me over on Instagram and Twitter at the rewired soul. That way you don't miss any updates. I also write a lot and do other content. So follow me over on social media at the rewired soul. And I'm also over on TikTok. I've been trying to do some more book talk stuff, giving little quick mini book reviews and all that kind of good stuff. All right. So a subscribe to the podcast, B make sure you're following me on social media because I love chatting with all of you too. All right. But anyways, anyways, today's guest is Kathy Pedreas, and her book is called The Mom Friend Guide to Everyday Safety and Security. All right. So I heard about this book. I like stumbled across it on NetGalley. I'm like, eh, this seems interesting. I'm trying to broaden my horizons. Right. And I checked it out. And when I, when I get a book and if I'm unfamiliar with the author, I'll like look them up, see what they're about and everything. And like, I didn't realize that Kathy is kind of a big deal in the social media world, which is very interesting. So over on TikTok, she has like 2.3 million followers. She's huge on Instagram as well. And what's really cool about it is her, all of her content is about like safety and security. And that seems like kind of boring, but like it is legit. And I loved her book so much. I binged it and super excited that she was able to come on and chat about it. So yeah, Kathy offers a wide range, wide range of safety and security tips when it comes to like cybersecurity. Uh, she gives tips about like how to protect your house from a fire and burglaries and all that. But in this conversation, not only do we uh, touch on those kind of things of like data privacy and all that, but, you know, a topic that is like really important to me because I have so many, you know, female friends, I have my girlfriend and everything, but she talks a lot about like safety specifically for women. And she has so many different tips and tools. And we, we discuss some of them here, but she dives deep into them in the book. Like when we're talking about data security too, something that, you know, I ask her about, because I've heard about this recently with all of the, uh, the news about all these places, like selling your data, um, a lot of women and, you know, celebrities and, you know, even some guys like have to deal with stalkers. Right. And with the fact that they're selling our data, it's easier than ever for just a random person to get a hold of like information that tells them where you are, you know? So it's pretty crazy, but you know, reading Kathy's book and I asked her about this in the conversation as well, like, like it, it actually gives me somebody with anxiety, like a little peace of mind knowing all these things. Cause you would think that some of this would like, you know, induce anxiety in people, but you know, she actually asked people reach out and talk about how helpful these tips and tools are. So I'm super excited for y'all to hear this episode of the podcast. So make sure you head down to the description, make sure you are following Kathy over on social media. I've linked her TikTok and Instagram, all that good stuff down in the description below, but most importantly, 
make sure you grab a copy of her book. Like I said, it's amazing, covers, every, covers everything from, you know, things to do at home while you're driving, while you're walking alone to traveling and all that stuff. So grab a copy of her book. All right. But anyways, without further ado, here's my conversation with Kathy Pedreas about her brand new book, The Mom Friend Guide to Everyday Safety and Security. All right. Hello, Kathy. Thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, thanks for getting back to me and sending me a review copy of the book. I loved it so much and I sang its praises. But before we dive into your phenomenal book, for those of my audience who have yet to meet you, can you give us a little bit of your background, what you do and all that good stuff? So um, my name is Kathy Pedrias and I sort of became known as the mom friend of the group on TikTok. I wasn't really aware of the term being a mom friend of the group. I was just, you know, I just thought I was like the practical one and the one who's always <laughs> prepared. I didn't know there was like an actual phrase for it. But anyways, so um, I developed that reputation on TikTok and it was because I started posting content about, you know, just like safety and cybersecurity, just easy, small, little kinds of tips that people can do to just sort of protect themselves. Um, and it ranges in, in terms of, um, you know, like, in terms of the scale of how much you want to do. Um, mm. But yeah, and so then I just started expanding to other social media platforms. And so I just sort of developed this reputation of being like the safety cyber girl in the blue dress. But it really all started sort of unconsciously because it started when I was a young girl. I was kind of, you know, always inclined to be this way. But I became more conscious of it when I started working um, on national television. I was mm. a host on national TV. And that exposed me to a lot more risks um, than I wasn't really exposed to before. And so that one thing just led to another. And I also got, got some training while working at that, uh, you know, that, that network. And so that's kind of like, it, it was a weird, very organic, natural yeah. progression to where I'm at today. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting too. And I, I love your stuff in the book and I've been checking out your content. And because like when when you hear safety, you think like very like, boring stuff right yeah but, but yeah the stuff you're talking about is very practical i'm like hey this is this is pretty cool but but before we jump into it i gotta ask too uh how many blue dresses do you have because those who cannot see you your trademark is blue dresses how many are there so i have i believe seven that are exactly the same one that's a slight variation of it and then two that oh no sorry three that were like my pregnancy blue dress uh. So quite a bit, but the original of the original seven. And that's because I just picked one up on like thread up recently, like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Because we you got like Google alerts for this dress. It's like, yeah, we're hopping on. You're like, oh, okay. I'll, I'll wear my blue dress. I'm like, I wonder how many blue dresses she has. Cause there must, there must be a lot. But, um, but yeah, so, so yeah, you mentioned and you discussed in the book, your background, like you started working in television and you had like safety protocols and stuff and like, Stalking is something that a lot of like, uh, you know, women deal with public figures and everything. And you have like exploded. Like you have, I think almost 3 million on TikTok, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, I'm just, just under two and a half. And then, you know, just under 200 on 200,000 on Instagram. So 
Yeah, it's obviously something that people relate to and and struggle with that are not, you know, select because I wasn't a celebrity just because I was on national TV. It was like like C list if you can get that low. So um, but but it's interesting because actually with all of my millions of followers on social media, generally speaking, that crowd and me has has been like better. Like I really haven't come across too much like creepy stuff. Oh, really? From my from my DMs personally. I know that is not the case for like most people on social media. Um, but from the television even though I was only doing that for a couple of years, I still am getting like creepy messages as, as recently as this morning, I got a creepy message from someone. Yeah. And it's just like, and, and from somebody who I have never interacted with, but has been messaging me and like following different accounts. And generally I block you, but you know, it's, it's just, it's like, it's, it's weird. It's weird. And you don't really know how to react to it. Like what is the safest thing to do in these weird situations? Because you know, somebody's obsession normally can be, it's generally like innocent, but it can also yeah. get like creepy really fast. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the issues too, because you never know, right? You never, mm-hmm. there's not a sign of someone's just like being a troll or just someone's being a creepy weirdo, or if it's something where a person might take action. And, and this is something that, you know, uh, I actually worried about a few years ago when my YouTube channel was exploding, I started getting mm-hmm. weird stuff and and it was it was a hot mess, and I was scared because I have my girlfriend and I have my son, and I'm like, okay, and I'm I'm trying to figure stuff out. So that's another reason I, I wish I had your book a few years ago. But um, something I want to ask you because there's like a growing conversation around data collection, right? Mm-hmm. And something I forgot whose book I was reading, but it was talking about like how easy it is for like mm-hmm. average people to go to these data brokers. And mm-hmm. find this information. I think John Oliver even did an episode of it a, a couple yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, and I kind of got into it with a comedian on Instagram recently who was making fun of that. Oh, I'm like, it's actually tell. really not funny. <laughs> no, yeah. well, I mean, you know, it was Jared Fried. He posted a little video making fun of like people's um, doing uh, um, like their cybersecurity training, like phishing emails at work, right? Mm. And I'm like, I get it. It's funny. We hate these little stupid emails. But in reality, like, yes, if you work at my hospital, feel if you get fish that affects me personally or if you work at my bank or if you work at my college or if you work at my kid's school and you get fish like now all of my information is public forever right and if you're a domestic violence victim or if you're just anybody who cares anything about privacy you have like a toxic ex or whatever you know like and jared Fried was like oh fun interaction with the material i'm like i'm sorry that i can't make it funny like it's just i can't make TV funny to me. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I've, uh, you know, I've had some guests on here who have written books like all about data privacy and everything. And I'm like, one of the people I'm like, I don't know if it's that big of a deal. But yeah, uh, when, when the topic comes up, of, like you mentioned, how it affects the other people in our lives, that's when I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that makes sense because it's no longer just about me and protecting yeah. my privacy. It's like information about the people in my lives. But, um, Right. Like, I I don't care that, you know, oh, I have a baby. So you probably want a coupon for diapers. Yeah. Doesn't bother me at all. What I care about is like, you know, the address, the phone number, the emails, like all of that stuff being public. If you if you want to hit me with some ads for diaper coupons, cool, whatever. But it's just that they're not just collecting that information. They're collecting so much more. And we see also in in other countries, particularly with authoritarian regimes, the extreme scenarios that come come from that. Like it's literally life and death. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, no, especially with the stories coming out of Russia and stuff like that. It's yeah. Like right now, it's it's weird seeing how these kind of things play out. But for the average person, like for example, like going back to like the stalkers and whatnot, from your research and what you've learned, is it easy for like just somebody just not with a business to get this kind of data? and find this information like because I would imagine it's like thousands of dollars to buy all this data or could someone do this on their own is this something we should be worried about it is something unfortunately that can be done on their own and I mean a lot of it's free honestly if you want to get yeah you can get a lot of stuff free you know the basic things the addresses the phone Mm, numbers the emails the uh, relatives their social media profile like you can do that kind of stuff and then I mean, I don't know that people typically if someone's like kind of obsessed with you, they're looking for that kind of like contact information. I don't know that they're getting like more specific uh, data, but um, but all of that stuff gets becomes public from breaches, from data brokers. Like it's an it's a whole thing. So even though I, I should actually pull up the number because I have removed my information from thousands of websites like really? me and my family. Yeah. Um, and I kind of go through a monthly and just do it's kind of like a spring cleaning, right? You just kind of go through and, and hmm. see if you find anything extra. But I also have services that kind of dig around for me. And it's a ama- it's literally thousands. And I have like me, my parents, my little sister, my husband, like everybody I put on there, even though for kids, generally, if you're like under 16, you don't have to worry about it. But I still I still have everything up there just in case I don't, I, you know, you just don't know. And it's unfair in that these services cost like hundreds of dollars a year to do this. Like we shouldn't have yeah. to do it at all. Yeah. Yeah. It should almost be default. And, you know, yeah. since, since we're talking about it too, like, uh, you know, I was just thinking, so a few years ago when I was going through all this stuff, here's what I did. And you, you can let me know where I went wrong. And if any listeners are about to create a little social media or if they're just worried, <laughs> maybe they can gain something too. But like all yeah. I did, like, I was like, can people find me? Will they know where I live? And I, I basically right. went to, I think I just went to like whitepages.com and like filed something to like get it removed and everything like that. But that's probably not nearly enough. And, you know, uh, I, I was like, what else is there? So is the only option like these paid services that you're talking about like what more should someone like me have done no i mean honestly the paid paid services aren't even perfect like i even send them stuff and i'm like hey i found one get this taken down or you know whatever but the the white pages is definitely a good start and all of those like people find your website the problem is that sometimes they get bought out by a different company and then they change their name and so now it's a new name or you know the whole thing but um I, i feel like it depends how obsessed somebody it is, right? Like how deep they're going to dig. Most people probably do like a quick kind of Google search, um, which case like white pages and all those, those first ones are good. But the other thing that I would do is the Google dorking, right? So it's not just like typing your name into Google, but mm. now try your first name with your city. Try your email uh, username or your username from social media profiles, you know, try the the... Uh, quotation marks around your name, things like that, just to try to make sure that you're getting it all cleaned up. And depending on your name, you know, like if my name was Jessica Rodriguez or something, yeah. I don't know, I made that up, but let's just say like, that's a pretty common name. So yeah. first of all, it would be harder to pinpoint which profiles are mine, but, um, but in a way that's also a good thing because there's so many Rodriguez is out there that it's like a layer of protection 
Mm. So it also kind of depends a little bit on your name and how common it is. Yeah. So, you know, one thing I'm curious about too, like I, for example, just LinkedIn is not a platform that I really care about. Right. But uh, with kind of, you know, this like uh, digital age and everybody being connected and just putting literally everything out there like (laughs) i guess one of the things i would wonder is like what are your thoughts around like because like on linkedin you put like who you are your job history where Mm -hmm. you work you're like you're putting like just boom yeah front and center right there just here you go you don't even got to collect data like where where do you find that kind of balance between like here i need to get jobs and people might want to see this information and i need to also protect myself do you think that's more of like a top down like companies need to not look at that so much or do you think that's us like just being careful about what how much we put it's interesting because also like i am in school i was required to start a linkedin and like it was one of my graded assignments right and i had to have a discussion with a professor of like listen there's certain information that i'm not going to put on my profile because i'm not comfortable with it because i'm so public in like other parts of my life so i will put um me personally will put like more vague things um, Mm. or jobs that I'm not really like that connected to anymore, you know, like, but I understand in the job search, you might want to be more specific, but like, I don't think you have, like I, for example, I worked at a national television network. Like you don't just, I guess in a network situation, it probably doesn't matter, but like you could probably put like, you know, fortune 500 company. If the person's interested, they can reach out to you and like get additional details. Plus you're applying through resumes and things like that. But the one thing that I actually read this the other day, which I found kind of shocking, was that LinkedIn is one of the number one uh, platforms where we're seeing scams right now. It's like 40% or something are coming, which I actually, because I find most of them on uh, Facebook and Instagram. I don't really Mm. see that many on my LinkedIn, but I guess it's because I'm not that active on it. Yeah. Um, And I have, by the way, speaking of like creepy messages and stuff like that, I think one of the creepiest ones I ever got was through LinkedIn. Really? Even though, yeah, even though LinkedIn has kind of this uh, persona of we're like the business place. Yeah, we're professional. People here act, right, yeah. people here act professionally. And it was one of the like weirdest messages, but um, it came through LinkedIn. And I think because when we think of how we protect ourselves online, we're usually focusing on Instagram and, you know, some of these other ones. And we may mm. not think of the business. Oh, by the way, you could also just, you know, have a private profile, you know. I mean, yeah. you can change the settings to kind of adapt to, you know, whatever your comfort level is. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because as, as I mentioned, like I only recently started like playing around with a little, like I started a new job and everybody's on LinkedIn. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I got hit with a couple messages within days and I'm like, and uh, you know, it's what's interesting about LinkedIn too, is a lot of people are trying to market or sell you something too. Mm-hmm. So like you're getting hit by that. And then in between there might be scams and and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, you know, like something uh, I was I've been dying to ask you since reading the book, because I am a naturally anxious person, right? Like anxiety, <laughs> got to treat it. Like, I, you know, I, I meditate, <laughs> I, you know, I do so many things. And like, I'm reading your book. And I'm curious, because like, are there people who like doom scroll your like TikToks and just think <laughs> the world is the most like unsafe place? <laughs> and, I, so you know what, that is something that I've tried to be like conscious of when I create my content. Like if you notice, I have a little bit of like a Troom Troom or like Dora the Explorer kind of like vibe going on, like with my voice and everything. Because I, and I, and there's also certain words, for example, that I never use. Like I never 
reference. It's uh, occasionally I'll reference a news article, but mm. generally speaking, I won't talk about a specific crime or anything. It Got might it. be inferred, right? You can you can maybe if you are up to date with the news, see where I'm getting the story yeah. from. But there's just certain words that I won't use because I don't want it to be a trigger for those kinds of reactions. However, what I've been told through like my social media, like my DMs and stuff like that is people saying I've had anxiety about these things to begin with. And you kind of putting the scenario out there and giving me uh, responses to it has helped my anxiety because now as opposed to it being the unknown, mm -hmm. now it's known. Yeah. And so that beca because of that, it's it causes less anxiety is what I've been told from, you know, people in my messages. Yeah. Well, as, as somebody who, you know, focuses a lot on my mental health, I could tell you like, yeah, that's absolutely the case for me. When I started educating myself more about all sorts of things, like my anxiety just went down tremendously. And it's interesting because uh, I've been reading a, a few books with my son. He's 13. Mm -hmm. So like a little bit more mature and stuff and just teaching him about like different statistics. Like, the other day we were talking about like shark attacks versus plane crashes right. versus car uh, car crashes, right? And seeing those numbers and like, he was like really shocked by the numbers and statistics, but those are things that help me calm down. You know, they, mm -hmm. they calm down like my flying anxiety and all those things. So I, I could definitely see that kind of empowerment. 100%. And there's certain, so speaking of statistics, there's certain things I won't talk about on my page, like related to safety or that would definitely go viral you know about like kids being taken by like a random stranger yeah. it's not on my page you won't find it because statistically it doesn't really it doesn't happen to many and when it does there's like a 98 percent recovery rate that being said i i mean my own sister was taken from my apartment not by a complete stranger though mm. from a family member that is more common and it's happened to me but that was a different scenario that does happen, you know, but, yeah. um, but the random stranger kind of fears like, yeah, that kind of content I'm sure would go viral and like people would like it. And maybe I can gain some followers from it, but, um, and stuff, because I don't want to talk about what happens to like maybe a hundred people a year. I want to talk about things that are more like generally applicable. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that's, that's admirable because, you know, uh, I'm curious because there's, like we're prone to negativity, right? Like those are the stories that often get so much attention. That's one of the reasons I was talking with my son about it is because there's way more focus on these like one-off stories. So like, what are, what are your thoughts without naming names, right? But like, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, any kind of social media page or YouTube channel or TikTokers who kind of capitalize on that fear? And, you know, two-part question, how do you think you broke through going in the opposite direction? Because it's really hard for mm -hmm. people going in a positive direction to, <laughs> to get that kind of attention, you know? It's true. I mean, I, I don't like those kinds of pages. I think they do more harm than good. And oftentimes, oftentimes I don't think it's intentional. I think mm. it comes from just like of awareness or, you know, somebody just not taking the extra two seconds to, look up the scenario and Google or whatever. Um, for example, I see a lot of these, oh, if you get this message to your phone, it means they're coming after you. If you open the message, they're going to know where you live and then they're going to come. And like, no, no, it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't that no. And like, if you just look it up in Google, you'll see that like police are not worrying about this, that there's been a lot of like articles like debunking these kinds of things. Mm. But you know, it's that kind of like, 
internet lore, urban legend that just circulates over and over and over again and will indefinitely until the end of time because people keep sharing it. There's one that I see that's actually very dangerous in the United States. It tells people in case of an emergency, don't call 911. If you're on the highway, you have to you have to call 211. This thing has been shared hundreds of thousands of times since like 2014. I've gotten it three times just like in the past couple of months. And I'm like, stop sharing this. Yeah. Um, because it's totally wrong. 211 is an emergency number in like other countries. But no, yeah. like if you have an emergency, you call 911 and and you read the comments. And so many people are like, oh, I didn't know this. I'm gonna... And it's like, God, you're doing more harm than good. Yeah. You might think that getting that you're like, oh, this is great information. Let me share it. But you don't realize that you're sharing something that's wrong. And now if somebody really does need emergency services, Eight two one one should forward, but you know you don't know. I don't know where they're based and the satellites and, and you know. I mean, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. I can't guarantee that it's going to be forwarded in every scenario. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. No, that's that's super interesting too. Like uh, a major topic uh, that uh, I read about is just misinformation, conspiracy mm-hmm. theories, and those have been on the rise in recent years, right? And of those course. things get shared, and you see average people just saying, "Hey, did you see this? Did you see this?" So. Uh, something I, I like to ask people, like, what are the steps that you take? Like when you see like a piece of information, whether it's in the news or whatever, like what steps do you take to not give in to like your instant, like emotional reaction <laughs> to it? Like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like, how do you like calm yourself down, fact check it or research it and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, I'm naturally inquisitive. So when I mm-hmm. see someone saying something crazy, like that. Uh, Pepsi will cause your house to turn blue or whatever. I don't know. Something crazy. I'm like, wow, that is nuts. Let me look into it because I just naturally want to know more. And then as I look into it, sometimes I find like, oh, well, this this was exaggerated. You know, you I feel like you see a lot of that in uh, these health studies. Oh, if you sleep one hour more, Mm -hmm. it means you're not gonna have sodium issues or I don't know, whatever. I'm just making things up. And like I will go to the article and oftentimes they will hyperlink the original study. And so sometimes I'll go to the original study and be like, oh, this is like, this number isn't statistically significant. You know, they they surveyed 50 people and two of them had lower sodium or something, you know? So I'll I'll do things like that. And it's a natural process because I just want to know this stuff to begin with. I find it interesting. And also I'm constantly on the hunt for content, right? So if it really (laughs) was a true study, like I want to post about it. Um, But I I feel like a quick Google search. I also find that if I'm reading something that is eliciting some kind of reaction of like, Mm. oh my God, that's terrible. Or, oh my God, that for me is usually a clue to like, take take a beat. The only time that, that doesn't apply is when I see like kitty or puppy videos or something, you know, and like, of course it it elicits a reaction, but I'm not really taking a beat to like fact check that reaction. Yeah. Um, But, but generally speaking, a lot of these headlines, you know, and I, I studied journalism um, Mm. at the city university of New York. I was getting my master's in Spanish journalism. So I know a lot of journalists and like, even I've had arguments over like with some friends over what headline they're choosing for, their articles mm-hmm. because you know they need the clicks right like journalism isn't particularly funded very well so they need the clicks. that's part of how they get they, they make money um but on the other hand like simple to have a headline that might garner more clicks but doesn't accurately reflect what 
is the article. And most most people will share the headline, but not actually read yeah. the first even two paragraphs. Because I'm not reading, you know, like these ten page feature stories, but I'll kind of skim and get get a feel for it sometimes. And yeah. the headline is like, you know, it's disappointing. Actually, every I think everybody's had that experience. You see an article you love, you click on it, and you're like, oh, boring. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't tell me anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Like that happened. Like I think just yesterday, like I clicked on. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. There was nothing to back any claims or any like detailed information. But everything you just laid out, like I hope everybody listening is writing that stuff down because, like, it's it's huge. Like, yeah, I I try to notice like if my emotions like flare up, I'm like, okay, Chris, now it's time to take a step back and really see or open it and look at it. But as you mentioned, like you know, I you know one of the primary platforms I use is Twitter, and it's just so easy to hit that stupid retweet. <laughs> and you just see the people sharing the headlines and people develop such strong opinions. I'm like, did you look into it at all, or, you know, or anything? And- yeah. You know, and I made a mistake too of sharing something yeah. too quickly, especially on Twitter, I think. But, um, but then, you know, you can delete it. <laughs> you can. Yeah. Like if, if it was really something that was like a mistake, you can delete it. Um, or if it's, you know, maybe something that can't be deleted because it's gone too viral or something, you can, you can put a footnote or, you know, add some clarification to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of some of the stuff I've seen on, on Twitter and some other platforms, uh, since you are the safety queen, uh, a topic that comes up, um, I don't know if you've seen these like debates, but it's about safetyism, right? Uh, or even just as parents that were way too overprotective. So, uh, for example, mm-hmm. like I'm 36, right? I wasn't like growing up in like the 60s or 70s, but 80s, right. early 90s. And I remember like leaving and going ride my bike around, you know, whatever, and be back yeah. by dark. But like my son, he's 13. He has a cell phone. Like the most I have is like ager, you know, mm-hmm. but I see myself <laughs> getting worried about him and I try to fight that. But a lot of people, you know, will say uh, like, I just reread the book, The Coddling of the American Mind. And part of it talks about like this mm-hmm. overprotection of our children, like with you having your focus on safety, what are your thoughts? Do you think we're too, we're too protective or we should have a, you know, healthy amount of fear? Like, where do you find that balance? Cause you're a parent yourself. Right. I think, I think a lot of that comes down to like your child. You know, when they're very little and you don't that you're trying to make sure that they don't stick their finger in the socket and all that stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, you you over worry about literally. I mean, a a string could kill them. Right. So you worry about everything. But once they're sort of at that age where they can consciously, you know, make some decisions on their own, it really depends on their child, because I have, you know, nieces that are not teens yet. They're like eight and 12. And they are very mature and like, I would trust them to make mm-hmm. decisions for their safety. But then I have a 17 year old sister who I don't trust within anybody. I mean, she just cannot make any safe decision. And I know yeah. that about her. And so she needs like way more oversight than mm. any parent should even want to give, honestly. But like, she just needs it because she just can't handle those kinds of decisions. But my, you know, my eight year old, 12 year old niece can. Um, and so I think a lot of that does depend on, on the kid, but I think there's some ways that we can foster that kind of, uh, you know, state, uh, conversations around them. One talking about like scams and things like that is a big one, right? Protecting them from that because millions of dollars literally get stolen from like Roblox, which is 14 year olds. Right. Um, but then I think even when they're younger, like teaching them how to interact with strangers in a safe way, for example, you're at the grocery store. 
oh, can you find out where the cereal is? How do they decide who they're going to ask? Sorry, I think that was my phone. How do they decide who they're going to ask where the cereal is? What, you know, what were the kind of social cues that made them think that was a safe person to ask? And then, you know, were they shy? Were they, you know, and then you kind of do these things. Somebody, you're at a restaurant and somebody next to you is, is chatting it up with, with you or whatever. How did your child feel after the fact, after that conversation with the stranger? Why did they feel it was safe to talk to the stranger about how they liked their ice cream or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I think there are conversations that we can have that are sort of ongoing, but I also think a lot of it, like, you know, every kid is different. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree because, you know, I'd be concerned if I, if I grew, if I fostered this kind of fear in my son about strangers and God forbid he got lost and needed to talk to somebody, but mm-hmm. he's like scared out of his, his mind, you know, but uh, I'm so glad that you, you brought up like that Roblox thing because, uh, you know, I'm naturally skeptical. Like you, I'm very inquisitive. Like I'll research things. I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> you know, I'll check. But one of the first lessons I taught my son, uh, cause he was really into like Fortnite and other games and he'd mm-hmm. watch a lot of YouTube and he'd run in and tell me about it. Right. He's like, Hey dad, if we do this, you can get like, all these v bucks are done yeah right so one of the first things i taught him was if it sounds too good to be true it probably is right and it's stuck with him sometimes he's even more skeptical than i am right but (laughs) since since you are you know such a such a prominent voice on social media and a parent something i i get curious about like it seems like a lot of parents don't fully know what's going on Mm -hmm. on social media and like do you think that parents should like you know, just take like a little bit of time to browse through TikTok to check and see like what their kids are watching on YouTube or, or like, what do you think? Because like, as parents, we're very busy, we're working, we're trying to provide and yeah. all these other things, but how can they kind of keep an eye on what's going on without dedicating too much time, but being kind of aware. Right. Or without pushing the kid away because yeah, then they, yeah. you can be like too much. Um, very important to, to be invited. I mean, if you want to know what your kid is really into, open their social media account. You can tell them, be open about it, but open their Mm -hmm. social media account and just spend 30 seconds on their, what their algorithm is feeding them. I knew right away my sister was into, you know, like drugs and stuff like that. Three seconds on her TikTok. I'm like, why are you being fed this Cheech and Chong content? I know what this is about, you know? Um, And so like, it, it actually can tell you more about your kid than you would even know about them. Yeah. And then, but then meanwhile, you know, with the comparison with like my nieces on their pages, it's just like the satisfying videos of like paint colors being mixed or yeah. things, you know, ASMR, like things crunching and whatever. And so you can really learn a lot about your kids through their social media. But I think it's, I think it's important to be involved and, and, and go through their settings. Like, I don't know how many mm. times, um, like my nieces have been like hacked or forgotten passwords and then they get locked out of the account. I think they've opened like 10 TikTok accounts. Right. And they keep getting locked out and stuff. So even little things like that, like, you know, setting up like the two-factor authentications and I mean, obviously on our accounts too, but I think there is, there is an, a, a generational gap a little bit with like technology grows so quickly and, you know, we get used to things a certain way and it takes time to learn something new. Yeah. Um, and so, but, but what do you... I also find, I mean, I've tried to commit to myself to always be learning something new because I feel like it helps the brain like not yep. age as quickly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, think of it as like a, a, a project, yeah. <laughs> like an educational project, yeah. even if it's just a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, because I, you know, you know, I'm putting out 
uh, you know, stuff about the podcast or my other content, like my writing and everything. I'm getting familiar. I just naturally get familiar, but I try to encourage other parents, parents to just learn just a little bit, just um, a tiny, just enough. But um, I'm going to tell you a quick story because one of my favorite things that you discuss in the book and you've, uh, you actually have social media posts about it is when it's okay to lie. All right. Mm -hmm. So I love it so much. So quick little story <laughs> that I'm going to ask you a question. So I got sober 10 years ago, right? And I was trying to turn my life around, be a better person. I was like, be honest, 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 honest. Right. But I'm also very anxious and I don't trust people. So mm -hmm. something that I used to do, and this is back when iPods were still a thing, but I had a rule because I, I didn't have a driver's license. So I was taking the bus and people would ask to use my phone. Right. So I had a rule that if I don't think I could chase after them, nobody gets to borrow <laughs> my phone, right? So I would say, oh, no, this is just an iPod. This just plays music, right? <laughs> so I felt like kind of guilty because I was lying to them. But I'm like, I don't know you in this phone. Like, if I lose this, like, that's my lifeline to a lot of people. But anyways, I've had to battle that with my conscience of just trying to be a good person. And when is mm -hmm. it okay to lie? But you talk about it in the context of, like, safety. Right. And you have some great stories in the book, yeah. some great tips, but what's your kind of like, I guess, moral philosophy around this of like when you feel it's okay to lie for like safety concerns? Whenever you want to, <laughs> whenever you want to. And I think the hard part about lying is being armed with a lie, right? You might think a lot of times question, then you think back later, like, the right thing I should have said in that moment. But if you're prepared for those questions ahead of time and you already kind of have some lies that you can just go to, then th then you're like ready. It comes off so natural. You know, it, it doesn't even come off like you're lying and the person doesn't know, you know, uh, the, that whole series started, well, two, two parts. One, when I was a host on television, Ooh. they told me like, you know, you might run into people on the street that are like, oh, do you live in the area at the grocery store and things like that? And like, yeah. it's a very nice conversation. But do you want everybody to know that you live in the area when you're on television and millions of homes? And, you know, so they kind of started the training with that specific question. Do you live in the area? Um, and the person who was training us was saying that she always says the response of like, oh, I'm just 15 minutes down the road or whatever which is mm -hmm. one of the ones that I put in the book. But I had kind of forgotten about that training until I was at the grocery store. I moved to a new neighborhood and I was at the grocery store and the guy at the cashier was recommending restaurants in town, right? Just whatever kind of conversation. And he's like, oh, well, where do you live? Now he was asking, where do I live? So that he could recommend more restaurants. But immediately that training came back and I was like, oh, just 15 minutes down the road or whatever. Like, because I had something to fall back on from years before. It was a nice... I'm sure he didn't mean anything by it, yeah. um, but it still reminded me like there's just so many times when those kinds of conversations happen. And sometimes it's not just somebody trying to recommend restaurants within a certain radius of your home, you know, it could, it could be more. Yeah. And so um, that's kind of like what what inspired it. And the whole idea behind it is to get people to think about information you're giving away when you answer certain questions. And then if you need some quick responses that, you know, maybe you have a hard time coming up with something like feel free to borrow. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's what I found works the best. Like I'm always planning ahead, like, Oh, if this person asked me or if this happens and they're just like instant reactions, you know, but I try not to lie like as much as possible, but there are many situations where I had things like that, you know, especially when I first got sober, I, you know, I'd mm -hmm. make excuses because just because I was like, you know, 
self-conscious yeah. about it. But anyway, but then it broadened out. Like, because when I started getting just a little bit of recognition, I had to start being a little bit more mindful of all that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, right. one of my, uh, one of my other favorite chapters in the book was about like personal safety and especially like tips and advice for like women and stuff like that. Like my girlfriend, mm-hmm. for example, she's in grad school. She's about to graduate, getting her uh, master's in social work, super proud. But anyways, she goes to the local university here in Las Vegas, gigantic parking lot. She has classes mm-hmm. at night. You got to walk like, and I get worried for her. Right. And she's had some weird interactions, just bumping into yeah. someone and, you know, nothing's happened, but Anyways, what are what are some of the things that you cover in the book? Not getting too much away because everybody's gonna go buy it. But what are some things that you kind of talk about in general for like women's safety? Well, I know you know there's obviously some of the the common stuff, right? The the zapping tools and the spraying tools and whatever. But I think one of my favorites, um, which is like non-lethal, so it works for everybody. You know, you could be ten years old, you could be five years old, you could be fifty-five years old. It works for everybody. I think one of the coolest things are the um, the wearable SOS devices. Mm. It's almost like if you've seen those commercials of like Life Alert back in the day, I fall and I can't get up where like yeah. the, they would push the button and, and it's almost like that. But nowadays they have this like beautiful jewelry. Uh, well, for the ladies, you know, they have different types, but they have jewelry, scrunchies, keychains, whatever. And it just looks like any other jewelry but a little button is built into it. And so mm. as long as you're within Bluetooth range of your phone, you click that button, it sends emergency services your location. Mm. And then they do try calling you. And like, if you don't answer or they do a text, there's like a couple different ways. But anyways, if you don't answer within like, you know, the serving time frame, which is like seconds or one minute or something, then they, they send emergency services to that location where you were at. And I feel like those devices are really cool because, there's sometimes I can envision being in scenarios where like getting my phone might be weird or might be too obvious. Like I might actually be bringing attention to myself by getting my phone. Mm. And so being able to just like, you know, reach at my neck a charm or something and tag, yeah. tap a button real quick. I feel like that has to be one of the coolest devices that I don't think a lot of people know about. You know, I think people know about baby sprays and and stun guns and yeah. things like Although the stun gun, honestly, it's like, I don't even think it's worth it. It's more of a deterrent visually than like what it, it doesn't really i mean i've stunned myself it does nothing but <laughs> um but um but anyways but i feel like that's like a cool one and it's super accessible because you have to do anything you know you can you, uh, the other thing with some of these devices is like they often come with apps so like if i mm. feel uncomfortable just walking to my car i could just have this a live agent walk me to my car because i feel uncomfortable that day you know like it doesn't even have to be that you're using it as a response to something. It could be preventative too. Yeah. No, I think I, they're I, really cool. I remember when you wrote about it in the book, I was like, this sounds amazing. I ran and told my girlfriend about it. I'm like, this sounds awesome. Cause I've never heard about it either. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're, you're getting the word out about this technology. Um, but uh, another thing too, and this is something that even me as uh, you know, I'm a big guy, right. But online dating, mm-hmm right like mm-hmm. back in my single days like my girlfriend and i have been together like coming on six years but even before that i was doing like online dating like i was afraid like i didn't know if i was getting catfished by some guy who was oh. gonna like you know whatever so whenever i was going on a date here's what i would i would like tell my friends i'm like hey here's where i'm going maybe mm-hmm. even share my location stuff like that my girlfriend has a funny story about how when she went on a date she actually had one of her friends like kind of shadow it and she was like mm-hmm. at somewhere else in the uh you know in the restaurant but anyways uh what and like let's let's make up a scenario one of your friends is like hey i'm gonna go on this online date what advice 
safety advice would you give or someone even starting online dating is are there things that people should be looking out for like during conversations or yeah. anything like I personally would talk to someone for weeks before even going on a date you know so I'm like okay I feel like I've, I've gained just a little bit maybe do a little googling myself so what tips would you give somebody I feel like that talking for weeks I I feel like that doesn't happen anymore because or not as much. I don't know. I mean, I guess some people do, but I, I feel because I, I have like the dating sites and stuff for not like relationships, but like friendship kind of stuff. Yeah. And I feel like what happens is you just kind of like lose interest. Like if you don't meet early on, and uh, you just, you know what I mean? Like you're just going to get ghosted. You lose interest. You're like, you're tired of having like those. Oh, so how was your day? Kind of conversations. Like it gets boring so quickly. Um, and I feel like you, I can't really make a connection with somebody like just chatting like that. Chatting on the phone, video chat. Yes. So mm. that could be like one of the extra steps that you can do. But I mean, one of my friends, I actually did that. She went to a job interview, but it was at somebody's house, which mm -hmm. was weird for me. Right. So here are like a couple of things that we did. So we did the sharing location. We had um, her friend dropped her off, but stayed nearby, like at a cafe like within range of the house uh, that way, just in case anything went down, like she was there and she could, you know, just get a, a quick call or whatever. Um, there are also apps for that kind of thing too. Like if you want to, if you know that say your date's at six o'clock or something mm -hmm. and you want to get a call at 6.15, you could ask your friend to do it, but you could also set it up in an app where you get this call. That way, if you need an L, you yeah. have an L. And there's like a whole bunch of apps that do it. Like, um, in the book, I mentioned the SOS jewelry, like Invisiware and stuff like that. They Their apps have it, but then there's also like Noonlight. And so there's a couple of apps that do it. Um, but I feel like the biggest thing with that, with dating is always communication, like letting people know where you're at and what's happening. And, you know, if you can share location, you could even share location for a short period of time. It doesn't have to yeah. be always, you know. One of the things I did before the age of smartphones, or I guess early on smartphones, so we didn't have these apps that like, like did Nokia's all this stuff. stuff. <laughs> yeah, like we had, yeah, like I had a smartphone, I guess, but it wasn't as, you know, as advanced as it is now. So I would text the intersections of where I was at um, uh, every like, every, you know, every 10 minutes, I'd be like, I'm at this intersection, at this intersection. And I would look at the street names because, I just thought in case something happens, in case I do disappear, at least they could be like at 9.15, she was here. So let's look within a 30 mile radius yeah. and see if we find the body. I'm like, at least they'll find my body. <laughs> like yeah. I was very, you know, cause it is scary, especially when, you know, you don't know the person and I, where I was dating, it was like mass, you know, in New York city, it's different. You just go meet up at the bar or whatever. But if somebody's like, I didn't have a car, right? So for me to drive, you know, it gets scary. You're, you're putting yeah. a lot of trust in somebody else. Yeah, no. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I came across when I was just wondering, like, you know, why do I like watching like true crime stuff or, you know, whatever, but I feel like it, it like, like you mentioned, like texting your location and stuff. I'm like, yeah, they will find me if something happens. I've, <laughs> I've made the police job so much easier to see what the hell happened. But and you uh, know, all the help they can get. <laughs> yeah. So like, Something I want to ask you, and this, this is a little bit of a tougher question, but like um, one of the one of the kind of debates, conversations I see a lot, right? Because obviously I am not a woman. My girlfriend is, you know, I have a lot of yeah. friends who are women, but 
when you're talking about safety, I don't know if you've even had uh, like been confronted by anything like this, but sometimes it feels like the conversation about here's ways to protect yourself turns into this kind of like potential like victim blaming thing. Like, you know, like I've, mm. I've worked in like mental health treatment, a lot of women who came through, uh, you know, addiction treatment, they had been traumatized and all these things, right? And things that were yeah. absolutely not their fault. So how do you kind of like find that balance between, hey, here are ways to kind of prepare yourself without, you know, saying it's your fault if something yeah. happens, you know, it feels like a very difficult conversation, but hey, I'm sure it crosses your mind a ton. Yeah, you know, I'm sure there's been videos where I thought about that. For the most part, I haven't come across a ton of that on my page because I, well, one, I don't use like gendered language most of the time. I think I have like two videos where I did. Mm. Um, so there's that. And I think it's just maybe a matter of how I phrase things. I can't think of a specific example at the moment, but um. I haven't come across a ton of that, but, but it, it is something definitely to be aware of because when we talk about like crime and violence and all that stuff, at the end of the day, everyone's capable of it. It can happen to anyone, anywhere, at any time, and you can take certain steps, but that doesn't mean you 100% protect yeah. yourself from it. And, and I think I even wrote in the book, um, you know, like nothing, nothing is a fail, like even even if yeah. we're talking about cybersecurity, you can take all the steps in the world. It doesn't mean you're not going to be hacked. It just means you're harder to hack, right? Yeah. And so, so I guess the same goes with our personal safety. Like it doesn't mean it's impossible to, you know, whatever, attack you, steal thing, whatever it is. It just means that you're a harder target. And I guess that's really what it comes down to is like hard targets versus soft targets. And it's hard because like I naturally... I'm a bit more shy and I'm also like very friendly. And I think of even the other day, I was just looking up um, door-to-door scams and stuff like that. Mm. The, the Better Business Bureau just put out an alert about uh, an energy audit type of scam. Mm. And so I was reading about something and I was like, oh my gosh, you know what? A couple of weeks ago, I think I almost got scammed because yeah. somebody came to my door talking about solar energy and I used to be an environmental scientist. Like that's what I studied in college. So naturally, that's a topic that I'm very interested in. And so I started, I didn't give them any information other than my spam email. I was like, look, if you want to email me your details, I'm not making any decisions now. But they were really pushy about this. And um, it, just because I'm so like naturally friendly and stuff, like I I could have easily been, I was very close. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I mean, I wasn't going to be making any purchasing decisions in that moment, but I I'm just naturally actually pretty trusting. And so, yeah. so I have to remind myself not to be sometimes. Yeah, I actually, uh, I had uh, uh, the author Maria Konnikova on here not long ago because she wrote a book, uh, The Confidence Game, about like con artists and the psychology behind it and, and stuff like that. And, you know, for me personally, it's just better, like learning more about this stuff. It helps me feel a little bit, you know, more empowered. And it just changes, like, kind of like what you're saying, it, it adjusts the probability and the risk, right? Like, mm -hmm. it can still happen. Anything can happen, you know, but even just being prepared for that scenario, running through it and all that kind of stuff. And that's, you know, hopefully, you know, what I'm teaching my son so he's ready. And because I don't want him to think the world's a scary place. I don't want anything to happen right. to him and him think it's his fault. But I do want to arm him with as much stuff as I can, information and stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, the world definitely feels like a scary place right now because we have access to all the headline news, like at the <laughs> yeah. top of our feeds, right? But if you think about like how it is today compared to like 
colonial times (laughs) (laughs) and how that i mean like if you go to like if you think of like historically like what these like fort towns and stuff like like um these military people are like these uh like you know fishermen kind of pirate people like those guys were scary and they did sick things to people that you would never imagine a million years happen now so like by comparison we are safer even though right now currently we are seeing an uptick in violent crime but Mm. but it's still not as high as it was if we're thinking about wars and all of that stuff so you know yeah statistically yeah yeah no those those are all things that help me with my anxiety (laughs) and stuff but Kathy, I got a little bit more of your time. I got a couple of quick questions. So one of the things I'm dying to ask you, just because I didn't fully understand, but I was like, that makes sense, but I don't know. So it's a trick here I'm going to ask. The, the fire safety. You talked about keeping your door closed is helpful in case of a fire. Is that what it was it or is something? So, yes, it's so weird, but it actually, it Explain. actually really does work. Because I'm like, so, I'm going to be trapped in a firebox. Like... Yeah, I know. And especially because I have pets, I'm always thinking about like fire Mm. kind of stuff. But basically, um, I had a chat with the Fire Research Institute, which is based out of um, Pennsylvania. And they have, I've had multiple chats with them, but they have this entire campaign based around close your door before you doze or something like that. And essentially, when you close your door, it prevents, or when you, when you close doors of the house in general, right? Um, It prevents, it takes the fire longer to spread. And then in doing that, in terms of our bedrooms and stuff like that, it keeps the temperature inside that bedroom lower. It Mm. keeps the carbon monoxide levels lower. So it just buys you a little bit more time. And so one of the things that I think kind of led to this research to begin with is, um, you know, back in the day, we used to have houses with a bunch of little rooms, right? There was a little formal room. There was the little dining room, the little kitchen rooms, the little kitchen, like it was there. And now everything's very open plan. But by taking away those doors, we've actually made made it really, really easy for fire to spread quickly. So this was kind of their like response in terms of, you know, if you do something as simple as this, it can actually make a really big difference in terms of saving your life. You know, mm. if, if a fire were to, were to break out. And then, of course, that's in addition to having alarms and stuff like that that would alert you. But, yeah. um, for example, like children, you know, you have a baby in the other room, let's say they're not sleeping in your bedroom, you have them in the other room, you want them to be safe. Really, the best thing to do would be to close that door in case of a fire. But then on the other hand, you're thinking, well, can I hear them cry? Mm. You know, but then that's where the monitors and stuff like that come in. I I thought that was like the weirdest, but coolest. Yeah. Yeah, no, I guess that makes sense too. Like, and and like uh, when it comes to like buying time and stuff like that, because I was reading, I'm like, wait a second. I tried to like reread it. I'm like, I'll ask her when she comes on. <laughs> it, do- it does. It does. Like, listen, eventually it's going to burn through, but it buys you time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so last thing, and this is probably just something that's relevant to a lot of people. Uh, you have a, uh, a section on what to do with your mail, right? So me, person, like you talked about like shredding, you know, important things like I don't have a paper shredder. So what I do when I get mail, I, I tear the crap out of it, especially like where I think there's like information. I try to do a nice little line right there and then do it like that direction. <laughs> yes. it. But like, uh, I, I don't know, like how concerned should we be? Like, for example, here, I get like credit card offers like every other day, right? Like, oh, I'm like, oh my God, is this more stuff that I have to shred? Is there any personal information? And, and all these things, like what is a like, realistic way <laughs> to handle the amount of junk mail we get with these I'm- personal this personal information i feel like the shredder is a good way i do use the stamp 
So not a permanent marker. You can look right through a permanent marker. So that's not good. I do use, they have these, um, these stamps that kind of have the characters like all crisscrossed and funky mm. so that you can't read through it. Like a black marker you can Got read it. through. Yeah. Um, and it works on like glossy paper and stuff like that. Uh, but it won't work on big bolded text. So just something to think about. But anyway, um, yeah, so they, so they have these kinds of things. And I'll do that for like, you know, prescription bottles, for example, the little mm. sticker is like hard to take off. So I'll do that. Uh, or like magazines that I don't really care about. The other thing, um, well, I mean, yeah, no, the shredder is definitely one of the best ways. But the other thing I try to do is just reduce the amount of like junk mail that you're getting, right? That yeah. helps. Um, one of the ways that I try to do that is when I sign up for magazines or, you know, I'm I'm ordering something from a website or whatever. I'll change my last name to Ooh. that website. So it'll be like Kathy Magazine, Kathy Amazon, Kathy Best Buy, Kathy, whatever I'm ordering from, my mail person delivers it right to my door. I don't have any issues. Now, if I lived in a building where maybe they have to match up the last name, then maybe I could put like Kathy and the Dryans or something, you know, just so I would remember. But then that way, if I start getting junk mail that's addressed to that name, I know exactly oh. where it came from. And so I, I, <laughs> so I had that happen and actually it was through a school fundraiser. You know how the schools will do like buy the magazines for oh, your yeah. kids, whatever. Yeah. So I did that to support my sister in school. I ordered a whole bunch of magazines and my information got sold to a whole bunch of other places. And so immediately I knew who did it. And I went right back to them. And I was like, I mean, at that point it's been sold, but at least I can prevent them from selling it again over and over and over on yeah. these lists. Right. So um, that's another little like trick that I do to help me stay on top of some of the stupid spam. But I mean, oh God, it's the worst. Yeah. No, no. Then I was like, I was like, wait a second. How much does the paper sweater even cost? I like looked it up. There's like, Paper sweaters are pretty cheap. Maybe I just need to invest in one cat because I yeah, you, and you need and you want the cross cut, not the. I don't even know if they make the the straight line ones anymore. But you want the cross. But I mean, we get we get so much the credit card stuff. I think and I've had three pieces of mail stolen just within the past couple of weeks. I mean, mm. I've had so I've had W two stolen out of the mail. I've had credit cards stolen out of the mail. My in laws. I mean, this was bad, but they sent um. Uh, in the regular mail, they put like passwords to accounts and stuff like that. What? And we thought it was stolen. It actually did show up three weeks later, but it was visible through the envelope. And I was like, oh my God, having yeah. a heart. And I've had, by the way, with credit cards being stolen out of the mail, one of my cards that was stolen, when I called, they, they, there was a fraudulent charge on it. So I called and I was like, I never got this card. I don't understand. And they were like, oh, well, somebody called with your social security number. That's how they were able to set up access to whatever. So then I froze my credit, set up all kinds of things. So like, I only got alerted because they didn't change the email on that card. Ooh. And I got alerted that there was a fraudulent charge and that, you know, but I mean, it it started with a piece of mail. Yeah, no, it, it's crazy too. like, you know, reducing it and everything. Like right now I'm going through like a, a, a auto refinance and stuff and the amount of mail that I have to send back and forth, it makes me mm -hmm. very nervous. Like, like something like got rejected and they're like, you know, 10 states away. So they had to send me something else and I got to send it back. I'm like, can we do this like digitally and just like hope for like, yeah. you know, encryption and stuff like that. But a lot of companies are still like requiring paper. I don't know if it's laws or company policy or what but there's too much paper oh, there, is, there is a little bit of stuff that's paid because i just did um 
was it? I think I did like insurance policies and stuff. And I was able to do some of it digitally, but not all of it. There was like some, something like that with the attorney that like the signature pages still needed to be sent. But, um, yeah, that it, it does, it gets like funky with all the mail. And I, I do think that companies should start investing in this kind of encryption type of software, because for example, I just had a baby and my hospital had me send these pre-registration forms, right. With social security and all this information. And I did it with uh, an encrypted thing, but then if I do it like that, they can't download it or print it Mm. and they needed to print it on their end. So then I had to send it without the full encryption thing. But I'm like, I'm like, can you like, please tell me that you're going to delete this the second you get it? Because I I mean, obviously there's no guarantee and it's like, you know, some receptionist who's like, why does this girl care if this is deleted? But it's because hospitals are the number one targets for hacking and stuff. And I, prefer my social security to not be public forever if I, if I could avoid it yeah you know? <laughs> yeah and it's just it's, it's all these little things that you even you mentioned where it's giving me ideas and and stuff like that of how to protect yeah, and my it's stuff like, the hospital should not be asking me for that information via email you know yeah. but they did and I, a lot of companies do. like obviously you're going through that too yeah yeah so hopefully things change but again like your book, your book has like a bajillion <laughs> tips i didn't get to talk to you about traveling and all the other different subjects you cover love the book so much so kathy before i let you go two things where can people find you all your amazing social media content and where can they grab the book so i feel like i've kept it pretty simple because everything is kathy pedraya's on every platform so easy enough if you see a girl with a blue dress it's me it feels like almost (laughs) illegal for somebody else to wear a blue dress online (laughs) and i haven't seen it so i don't think anyone's wearing it um, so anyways, that's me. And on my social media, like I have, you know, the link in the bio has a link to the book, Ooh. but the book is at Target, Barnes and Noble. Um, if you go to like IndieBound.org, you can look up local bookshops that have it, of course, Amazon. But but if you just go to my page, that's like an easy place to find it. And I'm well, on Simon & Schuster's website too, but I feel like my page is like the landing page for all these other places. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, Kathy, I'm going to link all that stuff down in the description. You're amazing. And yeah, when you write the next book, we'll have you back on. All right. Thank you. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kathy. She's super cool, super fun. I always love when I'm able to like just meet somebody the day of the podcast, after talking with them in the emails and like, you know, just the conversation goes so smooth so yeah kathy was uh awesome to talk to uh but yeah like like i said like these are things like i'm by no means you know a major influencer but at the height at the height of my youtube career like this kind of cybersecurity stuff and knowing how to like get rid of some of my information off the internet you know to protect myself and my family and all that like that was super important for me and i wish i had kathy's book back then had she like written it back then you know what i mean so i definitely you know i was taking notes um my girlfriend hasn't read it yet but i was like you know i was like you would love this book partially i think my girlfriend would love this book because it it had a lot of suggestions that she already like makes me do like when we're like traveling and stuff like that but yeah i i think no matter who you are whether you're a parent whether you're you know single living alone whether you you know have roommates whatever it is you will benefit from this book it it is very like you know concise all the topics really short they get to the point give you really useful tips that are like affordable and practical and all that and and like we discussed the whole thing with like 
leaving your doors closed for like fires is counterintuitive, but she has a ton, a ton of tips like that in the book. All right. So make sure you head down to the description, make sure you are following Kathy over on social media and be sure to grab a copy of her book. It is out now, the mom friend guide to everyday safety and security. All right. But before I let you go, just a few quick things. One, if you're new or you're not yet, make sure you are following, you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And then if you would like to help support the podcast in an absolutely free way, two things that you could do. So simple. You could do them in just a few minutes. All right. One share this episode. If you think that this episode had some value that your friends, your family members might benefit from your followers, right? Make sure you share it. All right. Share it on social media, forward it to a friend in an email, post on Reddit, whatever you got to do, share it out there. All right. Second thing, second thing that you could do, take a few seconds, head over to Apple podcast, leave a rating, leave a review. Both these things help out a ton. Not only does it spread the word, but the little algorithms working behind the scenes, they love that kind of stuff. So I really appreciate it. All right. But some other ways that you can support the podcast. Uh, some of you are listening to this episode a day early, and that is because you are a supporter over on Substack. So if you become a paid subscriber over on Substack, you get all of these episodes early. All right. And it helps support the podcast. It's only $5 a month or $50 for the year. That is linked down in the description below. Uh, another thing you could do, you could head over to the rewiredsoul.com and grab a copy of one of my books that I've written on like mental health, addiction recovery, uh, my experience being canceled, that whole thing. Uh, you can grab a copy of one of those books at my website. And then lastly, if you're somebody like me who cares about your mental health and you're always looking to improve it, there is an affiliate link down below for better help online therapy. It is a service that I have personally used. Uh, it, it really helped me out through a difficult time when I, when I was going through it in 2019. Absolutely loved it. So I vouch for it. I recommend it to my friends, my family members. It's affordable. You can do it from the comfort of literally anywhere with an internet connection. You can call, text, FaceTime, whatever you want to do. And you work with a licensed therapist from your state. All right. So if you're interested in checking that out, head down to the description and check out that affiliate link for better help online therapy. All right. So another huge, huge thanks to Kathy for taking the time to come on. So make sure you head down to the description, follow her and grab a copy of her book that's linked down in the description below. And yeah, this might, I think it's the last episode for the week. I have a bunch of episodes that I'm recording, so I've been trying to upload one or two a week, all right? But yeah, if I don't bring another one this week, I will be back next week with one or two more episodes to so make sure you're following me so you don't miss them. But other than that, have an amazing rest of your day, and I will see you next time.